Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's nothing you can ever do to feel fulfilled, right? And I noticed what has been working is that finding that fulfillment through impact, the relationship that you built with other people. So if you feel like you're not enough, how can you find these relationships where you build a meaningful, um, when you provide something meaningful that makes an impact on other people's lives, that is very fulfilling for you. I mean, there's a lot of studies when we've done um, different studies where when you help other people, the the happiness actually lasts longer. You're a lot happier, happier a lot longer and the sustain more sustainable than if you were doing things purely for yourself. So in school, we're taught to, you know, learn all these things so that you can buy these things to help yourself, right? But we're never taught like, how do you want to make a bigger impact so you can help other people and the stuff will come later on. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazny. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story. What made them tick? What got them to where they are now? So it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have an amazing guest for you today. First of all, welcome to The Greatness Machine. We have a very special guest, Jalissa. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm just so happy right now because of the song you picked and when it ended. That's like completely my day. Uh, I was like, we're going to be talking about modern luxury. So we have to go over to the poster child of modern luxury, Barbie. And that it inspired me. I love it. Now, what I you don't know is, is I did a lip sync to that song when I was in college and I played Barbie. So oh, you did. I was Barbie. Yeah. um but guys um for those of you guys that are new to the show the greatness machine we're about two things people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world and you know i met jaylissa at like four in the morning my time like one o'clock in the morning her time you're like wow this sounds like a crazy party but it wasn't it was for breakfast of champions with our friend glenn lundy 
Uh, he had me on his show. I was promoting the book, The Core Value Equation. And he's like, I don't know how you guys, I guess you guys got connected on Clubhouse is my, is my take. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to have Jay Lissa. Do you know her? And I had been off Clubhouse for a little bit there, but I was on for a long time. And I said, no, I don't know her. Um, and and we had this really amazing moment on on Breakfast of Champions. I mean, it was, it was really early. Did you like stay up all night for that show or did you wake up for it? I woke up for it. I sleep pretty early, but because it was one o'clock, I just, I actually didn't really sleep because I was so nervous about it. Oh <laughs> yeah. And it's so early, right? Cause you, you were at West coast then. I know we'll be talking a little bit. You just moved from San Francisco to Vegas, baby. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. And uh, so we're on the show and we kicked, hit it off and I was like, man, this girl's cool. And you invited me to be on your show which we had a great time on your is it podcast or live stream what is it that you do again as a podcast right yeah as podcast it's not as fancy as this no 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 way less singing way more way more quality content way less on the on the, the entertainment of darius side so we uh yeah had a great time on the show and i was like oh man i gotta have her on my show so i'm so i'm so 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 grateful to have you here so thank you for coming Thank you. It's such an honor just because as soon as we met and you were talking about core values, I was like, this is exactly the first thing that I teach when I help people build brands. So I was like, you know, and those are things that I never really hear people talk about. So from an expert like you, I was like, okay, I have to have him on my podcast. Yeah, it was it, like, I love your show. And I love like, we went down a lot of different like rabbit holes around, you know, what is luxury and how do values play into that. And, and I was just like, man, you're doing some really cool stuff. And, and, and let me let me can I ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I saw that you just graduated from Berkeley. Yeah. C congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was um, definitely one of the hardest journey I've gone through. Um, just because when I, cause I, you know, I left school for about six years and then I went back. So I was competing with people who were like been in school and have that momentum. But then on top of that, I was rushing to get into my PhD program. So I had to take two years of, uh, work in Berkeley and some from graduate division into one year. So within that one year, I was working two jobs, volunteering three positions, uh, doing lab work, producing my own research, and then on top of that, doing two years worth of uh, coursework. Yeah, you're a beast. I can't wait to talk about all the nerds you hung out with at Berkeley. Um, I, I couldn't say that because I lived in the Bay Area for a long time. And yeah, you guys who went to Berkeley, you're nerds. So I, I want to give you guys, I'm going to give your formal background and then we'll talk about uh, Cal and we'll talk about your PhD and we'll talk about your business because you're doing some really amazing things. Does that work for you? Yes. So guys, our guest today is Jaylissa Leah, she's an entrepreneur and strategist at Modern Luxury Lounge. We're going to be talking about all things modern and luxury today and how she applies that. She's a modern luxury educator. She's a brand strategist and a neuropsychology re psychology researcher and a previous clinical psychology student mindset coach. Jalissa's passion is to take luxury one step further than the current industry trends, and she creates modern luxury movement that prioritizes impact over, over income. Uh, Jalissa teaches modern luxury to high-level entrepreneurs to help scale their businesses and to create luxury experience for their clients and themselves. And, you know, when we talk about luxury, it's funny because I think a lot of times people mistake luxury for expensive. And I love the way you approach it because I will say this, like one of my, one of the things I, that really got me interested in, in wanting to connect with you was I was, you know, I like to follow people's Instagram and I think it gives you a good sense of just, I don't know, their aesthetic, right? And you have a strong aesthetic. And I like, can I give you my read on, on you as a luxury brand? Yes, please. So first of all, like you have a pretty elegant, like setup, 
Like you have an elegance to you that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's like there's soft colors. I'm I'm a very like uh, uh, aesthetically driven person. So a lot of whites and like creams and and like rich colors and like just I don't know. There's something around like a lightness and elegance to your brand that you kind of throw off, and. And there's a sophistication to you that I think is really obvious. Like you don't try that hard, but you you're trying to make a point. And I feel like when I look at your brand, I'm like, oh, this is what she's all about. And then when I met you and you started talking about luxury, that was exactly the messaging that came in behind it. Like it's around quality and it's around you know uh, poignancy and showing what you are and how you show up in the world. So that's just like off the cuff. That got me way more interested because I, I'm going to tell you this straight up. There's like I kind of cut off a lot. Of, like I had a bunch of people on from Clubhouse, and I was like, dude, I can't deal with these people. And I just I stopped. I stopped. I actually started unbooking them because I was like, it was it, dude. They're just like slamming all their products and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is painful for me. Mm-hmm. So you and, and and I totally felt like you were coming at this from a totally different perspective. So I'd love to start off just to like you to give a little bit of background on you know how did this come to be? Like how did you fall into this idea of modern luxury neuropsychology branding like like where give me the origin story yeah so it's really funny like everything i do now it just add up it's like a bunch of events growing up and and that led up to what i'm doing now and which is what i help people do because we don't realize subconsciously when we're zero to eight we're completely in our subconscious mind so anything that happens during then we it leads up to our decision now we just don't know that because no one ever taught us that in school and so growing up i've always been around very high level entrepreneurs including my family who um started up multiple businesses they're in, they're huge investors but just watching them, they were so wealthy in terms of everything that you could ever imagine a wealthy person have, like in terms of materials, homes, cars, money, um, unlimited resources, right? Uh, but they were also the most depressing people I've ever met. My dad, wow. one of them, he was a huge businessman who um, actually lost his life to depression because... Wow. Um, you know, not, have, not having that meaning in life is really damaging when you have all these things where the society tells you it's successful, you have all these things. And then you realize that is not the answer to things. So when I moved to, you know, when he passed away, I moved to the States, went to school, um, did really horrible in school. And so I dropped out and went to New York to, um, in a luxury salon environment and served, you know, millionaires, billionaires who also was very well off and had the same exact theme that I noticed as my family, where they were so covered with all these materials where everyone thinks that is the definition of success and luxury. And they have all of that, but what they're lacking is happiness and fulfillment, right? The core values that you always talk about in your books too. And um, that's when I realized like even showing up as a brand, it doesn't matter what the material it is that you have, which a lot of people do. Influencers, they work with brands and they show you what material, but without the substance on the inside, you're not truly happy. So that's when I really started thinking about building this modern luxury lounge where it's a brand that is business oriented, but it's actually passion that's derived from you as a person um, that is driven towards what is the impact that you're making rather than what is the goal income? Because that's what I realized the people that I've met at the top is that the income doesn't matter if you're not fulfilled on the inside. Yeah. So, so you said you moved to the States. Where did you move from? Uh, so I lived in China. That was, that's where I was born. Then I moved to San Francisco when I was about uh, five or six years old. Oh my um, gosh. 
Yeah. And so restarted my whole life and actually detached myself from my father's side of the family, which was really wealthy. So my mom and I had to start from the bottom up. And that's when I was really chasing after luxury myself too. Cause I was like, you know, my, my father was, you know, it, it had to be luxury or success. Cause that's what everyone teaches you to do in school teach you to get a job, get a good job where you get paid so you can have a home and you have the cars, you have the family. And that's definition of happiness and success. But actually, how many people are actually happy when they're in that position? Not many. So did your father pass away when you were that young? Yeah. Yeah. When I was five years old, um, he went through depression and, and he's had everything. You know, he is on the outside. It's very successful. He had all the cars you could ever imagine, all the homes and investment properties. But on the inside, you know, he's suffering because there is no fulfillment. There is no impact that he was making. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, I, I, my story is a little bit different, but my father passed away when I was 22 of essentially disease brought on from depression and not taking care of himself. Same thing, same deal. I mean, his, his story is a little different. He, like, you know, lost everything when they, the Persian Revolution happened and then came to the United States and rebuilt it, but like just was unhappy. You know, he was unhappy and he didn't enjoy the process. It was a hard process. I, you know, I give him a lot of credit. He has, it's a strong immigrant story, but it said it for me. I hate to admit this, but it was like the way he approached things became for me a almost an example of what I didn't want to do, you know? And, and so now, you know, I'm, you know, grown up and I have kids and stuff like that. And I'm like, how, how can I do things differently? Because, and people, you know, I, I did this leadership program called Stegen, which is all around conscious leadership. So it's a 52 week hardcore leadership program. It's like the C-suite of Whole Foods. And one of my classmates was the CNO, CEO of Crate and Barrel and, I mean, just like some pretty impressive people. And, um, you know, I, I learned something really interesting in this, which was that, you know, we had to come up with what our purposes were in this program. And mine was, I want to live a life of engagement and help those around me to live a full, fully life of engagement. And, and a lot of that came from that reflection of seeing someone not be engaged, not, you know, suck on the marrow of life, you know, and to see the, quite the opposite. And for me, I was like, I, I don't want that. You, you made the point earlier of zero to eight, like I like I don't even want to play that movie for you. It's a horror movie, you know. Like my zero day was brutal. Yeah. Um, you know what did you what do you think? Like reflecting back to that experience, you know, you know, first of all, that's pretty hardcore to lose your dad young. Secondly, then immigrating. It's, it's, I'm guessing you didn't speak English fluently. Is that like a fair guess? International school when I was in when I lived in China. So I was, uh, I spoke English, but it was um, like British English. So it was not like American or anything. Like what, what sort of Eng- like Britain English words did you use when you showed up to San Francisco and the kids are like, say what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember, but I just remember I had like a British accent because it was like the teachers had English, like British teacher that taught us. So I had that, like what I thought it was normal. And then here I was like, wow, I sound stupid. Because um, it was like an accent on top of British accent. <laughs> The kids were like, I don't know what to make of this girl. Um, <laughs> Where she's from, I can't tell. She keeps using these really weird, really weird words like crumuple bubbins and all these weird like like British words we don't know. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I was when I was in first grade, I was uh, I went to this like inner city like in Anaheim, California, like like kind of lower income school for like a hot minute. And my first day of first grade. The kid, like this, is a kind of goes in the other direction. I'm, I'm like, I'm like Persian American, but born in the U.S. and raised here. So I'm like speaking English as like a first language, and um, and the teacher's like, 
uh, Jose Salazar, and he's like, Aki. And, and 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 then she, she's like Carlos Rendoza. He's like Aki, and I and I was like he's like Darius Mershazde, and I was like Aki, <laughs> and I thought these kids. I thought <laughs> I didn't speak a word of Spanish, by the way. I just thought that you were supposed to, and I thought they were talking to a key that opened the door. <laughs> I mean, uh, so funny, Aki. Aki. Um. So. <laughs> Sorry. A key, give me the key. Give me a key. Um, <laughs> I was so con- I was such a confused six six year old. Sorry. <laughs> I saw I saw an opening. I had to go for it. Um, shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mashazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. It stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now. And let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you, you moved here with your mom. Was it just you and your mom? Yeah, it was just my mom and I. She was working multiple jobs. I would basically like raise myself too. And I think that's why I've like venture out to do so many different things. Um, but yeah, it's it's it was my mom and I for a really long time. What did your what did your mom do to like like support the family? Yeah, she did multiple jobs. She was um and she was so hardworking. So she worked her way up in um this restaurant uh it's like it sells like restaurant supplies. So she worked up to be like from the cashier to like the management. And then she also did nutrition. Um, so she like, you know, went back to school and did some meal, like learning about nutrition and worked at John Muir Hospital. So she did multiple things and she had so many jobs just to, you know, keep things the one, you know, keep us or, or alive, but two, trying to give me back that that lifestyle that we lost, which is you know, nearly impossible when you came from a billionaire family to like nobody at all. Um, but she just tried to provide that uh, lifestyle back for me. What what city did you leave from in in uh, China? In Shenzhen. Shenzhen. Okay. And so, so, and did you? Sorry, say that again. It's like right next to Hong Kong. It's like a, it's like right across. I got lost once in Hong Kong. That's a story for another time. But um, so so you um, I, I've been to, I went to China once. I went to Beijing when I was twenty, and then I went to Hong Kong which was I, this was back in like like 1998 it was like super weird it was weird it, like i was like weirded out like beijing then was like about as socialist as you could be and i was like this american kid and i was like this is really bizarre um yeah <laughs> all the all the we went, we did like a student exchange and all the kids were like our china and I was like, oh, what does it feel like to be socialist or to be communist? And they're like, we're not communists, we're socialists. And I was like, all right. Uh, I'm like, oh, this is bizarre. So um, sorry, I digress. So you um leave this super wealthy family. You guys come, your mom works her way up. Did you live in in the city of San Francisco? I did. I lived in San Francisco and we went to multiple school because, you know she couldn't find someone to take care of me. We were with my grandparents at the time. Um, you know, without them, we would have been like literally homeless. And then, um, we stayed with them for, for a while. And we were just, I, every single year I moved from school to school just so that I could work out with her, you know, commute and her work. And then also, you know, schooling, that's going to be most beneficial for me. And did, um, where, where did your grandparents stay? Did you, did, when you moved, did you guys move to different places to live or were you living with your grandparents until she got her own place? Like how did that, how was that set up? Yeah, we were, we were living with my grandparents in San Francisco, but the schools were that we're moving in just like, it's like right around, but I don't even remember why I was moving from school to school. Where, where did your grandparents live in San Francisco? What part? Um, It's like right near Cow Palace and like 15 minutes from downtown. Yeah. So kind of, daily city ish yeah. almost yeah i lived in san francisco 17 years so every time i think of you i think about the pizza yeah it's hey pizza 211 24th in california you gotta go oh now, well, now now you're in vegas sure. so credit ninja who is 
you need a she can watch the show. She bragged to me that she's got some killer pizza places. So um when I come to Vegas, you guys can take me. She knows all the all the best spots. She's basically the mayor of Las Vegas. <laughs> Dude, she's ridiculous. So walk me through like how did you get into, you know, this clinical psychology, neuropsychology? How did you move into this world of how the brain works? Tell me about that. So I think it's just going back to, you know, growing up, right? There's this external world version, which is like the materials, the things that we were taught in school to, to achieve, right? The exterior, external achievement. And then there's the internal part that I didn't learn until I had anxiety and depression myself when I moved to New York, just from the stress of not being in the same environment, not feeling supported. And especially after I have achieved everything that I was supposed to have when it comes to homes, cars, everything. And I was still very depressed myself. Um, there was like an emptiness that I just didn't understand why. Because on paper, I should be really happy because I've had all these things. And it was the same theme that I keep seeing and recurring in my life from my grandparents, to my father, to the clients that I serve. And that's when I realized like the outside doesn't matter how good you have it when you're not happy on the inside. The outside almost doesn't even matter because it's like, you know, when you're not fulfilled on the inside from, you know, nothing on the outside will ever fill that internal void. And so that's when I started realizing like, okay, this is where it's at. Like if I want people to feel successful, if I want to feel successful and happy, feel like I'm living a luxurious life, which is very subjective, it has to start from the inside. And that's when I shifted from, you know, business and and all about beauty because I was in the fashion and beauty industry to inside, which is psychology. Um, And that's when I really just decided to move back to California, you know, work my way into Cal and started uh, studying clinical psychology. And it wasn't until I hit the pandemic hit, that's when I started integrating business and psychology together because I just couldn't decide because when I was applying to psychology schools, I was applying to business because those are the classes I took as well at Haas and School of Business in California. Um, and I also took clinical psychology and I really had a hard time deciding whether I wanted to be, you know, an organization behavioral specialist or, or clinical psychology. Cause I was so interested in both, uh, when the pandemic hit, that's when I decided to like integrate the two together and start helping people build brands because literally that's all it is. It's, it's psychology. When you're building a brand is psychology plus business. Um, so it was like a, like a perfect medium for me. And the more I did it, the more passionate I was and how, you know, people saw that and they just started investing and, and it just really expanded. Our company just grew really, really fast. And so, um, so backing up, so you were in New York, you're in the fashion world. You, what, will you disclose who you worked with any of the brands? Yeah. So work with Cypher Fakai, who was um, at the time was owned by Parker and Gamble. Um, it was one of the largest salon in the world. It was a very high end salon, you know, to get a haircut with Fakai is like a thousand dollars. So we had a, it was a very luxurious place as well. And what I did was um, I was in part of the color department. Um, and we learned a lot about luxury experiences. Um, that's when I, that's why I really, intrigued by luxury just because a lot of us we think about luxury as like material right the price point but what really is the luxury is the experience that other people feel and that's why you know for my for my brand when i'm building other people's brand i really emphasize on the importance of we're not just building a brand here we're we're, we're building a modern luxury brand which is all about the experience between the relationship between you and your audience 
And so, so when you, uh, where, by the way, where did you live when you, when you lived in New York? Were you in the city, Manhattan? I was all over the place. I lived in um, Upper West Side. I lived in East Village. I lived in um, Lower East Side. Then I lived in Hoboken. I worked at 56 and 5th, which is Midtown. Um, so I was all over the place. And I think that's another thing about New York. It's just like, it's always so hectic. It's always on the go, on the go. And I think coming from California where, you know, in California, you drive your car. I literally will, even if it's a mall or something, if the store is across the mall, I will get in the car, <laughs> drive to the closest parking lot of that shop, park there, and then go back in. Like, that's how lazy I am. And then from there, I went to, from there to, you know, I felt like I was hiking all day in New York where between yeah. ways and walking up the stairs and it's smelly and it's just like walking from place to I'm like, this is so, life is so hard. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, literally what you just described is the polar opposite of what a New Yorker would do. <laughs> Foil, right? Like I literally got a, I would get a cap for two blocks in They're like, you know, it's just cheaper if you walk. And I'm like, I'm not walking. Yeah. You're like, yeah, my, where I came from. You're like, do you see these hills, baby? That ain't happening. Uh, <laughs> that I actually rode in one of those horse carriage thingies that were supposed to be for tourists. And I was just like, I'm not walking. I'm just walking. <laughs> so I like, ordered one of those. It was so, it was such an elaborate thing. That's so funny. Oh, uh, God. Oh, so I was going to tell you. So I went to New York for the first, I, I love asking people about New York because there's certain things in this world that I have like a weird connection with. Mm. Pizza is one of them, core values, and New York is one of them. So it's like a combo, right? Core values, pizza, New York. Um, so I went to New York for the first time, Labor Day 2007. I'd never gone before. And my business was like on the ropes. Big time. Like, I'm like, my business literally in the month of August 2007, which is, you know, what is that? 14 years ago this month. Actually, 14 years ago this weekend, I was in New York for the first time. And my sister was going to Parsons in New York. Mm-hmm. And my, and she's, so my sister is a, was a, is a fashion designer. She, she worked for like Rag and Bone and a bunch of folks, but she went to Parsons in New York for fashion. And so I went to go see her. She lived in uh, Williamsburg. My best friend lived in Lower East Side. And I like, like I'm a person where like I'd always built up New York in my head where I'm like, that's I'm going to go to New York. Like that's that like I'd watch Home Alone when he was in New York. What's that? What's that? Same here. That was my perception of New York, too. Home Alone. Yeah. Like, no, just what you're, you're talking about. You build this version of New York in your head. Yeah. Well, so but and I don't know if, if it lived up to your your expectations, but it lived up to my expectations. I went there. I didn't know. I'm a hardcore extrovert. I did not sleep for four days. I was like, like at the Gansevoort Hotel and portal service. And what's that? <laughs> like borderline delusional. I, I went nuts. I, I was eating pizza and subways and partying. And like, I literally went absolute bananas. Now back home, my business in San Francisco was imploding. Like I was just like letting loose. Like I had 150 employees when I left for New York. And like eight weeks later, I had 10. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Straight up. I almost went bankrupt. It, like I should have gone bankrupt. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made it, I vowed something to myself that, that, that trip to New York, I said, I will die in this city. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so every time I talk to people, I go, when I'm in New York, I'm like, you know, I'm going to die in New York one day. But uh, <laughs> When you know, you know, <laughs> you know, just when you know, you know, Exactly. Um, so now you left New York, you came back. How did Cal come about? Did you, did you, how many years were you at Cal? Did you transfer in or did you do? Yeah. 
Because my, my grades are so crappy. Um, I literally graduated with like straight D's like throughout school. I had really bad ADHD, but because my, you know, my mom doesn't really believe in psychology because, you know, it's, especially in Asian culture, they're just like that. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. And so, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, treated for it. So I just did horrible throughout school. And there's just so many teachers that didn't even believe in me. Counselors were just like, you know, don't aim too high. Like Berkeley, it's just like that. They like laughed at it. And so I like went back and I went back to, um, I guess it would, it's a community, a community college. I was going to say city community college. And then just work my way up into, um, getting into Berkeley. And at the time I was just like, oh my God, this is so stupid. I probably get rejected, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Like what is the worst that could happen is a no. And I'm, I'm applying into school anyway. But I just remember like how many counselors and how many teachers just said that I'm aiming too high and like, that's not, you know, be realistic. You should probably apply to state schools. And then I ended up just applying to Berkeley along with other schools. And out of nine schools that I applied to, I got into eight, which are all UCs. I didn't even apply to any state school. Yeah. I have two things to say. Can I, do you mind if I say both? Yeah, Yeah. Number one, fuck those teachers who said you couldn't get in. And number two, I'm so stoked that you got into Berkeley. That's, that's, that's a really cool story. Me too. Just because my mom works so hard and I know with her, she's always, um, just dreamed of me graduating from a really brand, you know, nice school. Um, and she's offered so much to me and just to watch me graduate. And I was very disappointed and she was very, very disappointed when I left school the first time because, you know, that, that like crushed her dreams completely. So like the second time in, when I got into Berkeley, it was just like, oh my God, like it was like a dream come true. And then of course pandemic hits and then you're like, oh, well now I'm going to Berkeley online. (laughs) Yeah, that's all right though. I mean, the one thing, I mean, the, the kids at those schools are so funny because they're so they're such freaking nerds. I mean, they are so, so much pressure for school and grades. Uh, I mean, it's it's to the point where it's like, you know, no one cares about this shit like a couple years from now. Like, exactly. No. <laughs> and when you're in it, they just they pressure. They give you so much pressure because they're always competing, you know, with Stanford, Harvard, what you know, who's the best and who's number one, always competing for that spot. So for, for us, when we went to school, it wasn't just about completing the assignment. It was about going above and beyond. And then when you go above and beyond, you're just average because everybody else goes above and beyond. So the pressure and it, it, it was just like interesting because, you know, Berkeley is really good with clinical psychology, but at the same time, when it comes to our mental health, it's like, yeah. where's that? Yeah. 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 We have this amazing clinical health and psychology program, but we have the most toxic clinical like, like experiment of an environment with all exactly. our students who are like in class. They teach us about how dangerous it is to put this much pressure. And they're like, by the way, your test is going to be tomorrow. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. We just the lab rats. <laughs> Take this test. Yeah. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale. 
and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's DariusScale.com. And now back to the show. So right now you so you graduated, by the way, and that's amazing. Congrats. And you're you're going on to get your PhD. Do you mind telling us about that? Yeah, I actually paused my PhD because of um, so I started the PhD and then pandemic was like, you know, it was happening during that time. And the school was a little bit um because it was not used to you know, I was structuring online because it's clinical too. It's really difficult because there's a patient confidential, you know, there's just, there was like a lot of problems. So I was like, you know what, if I'm paying for this education, I want the full experience because I wasn't even getting access to labs either. And so I paused it. And that's when I really went back to um, like just focusing on my business full time because at the time I was just doing it part time. But yeah, that's when it really scaled. So I paused my PhD, but it was never my intention to even grow this business. Like I was, it was never like, okay, I'm going to grow this business from zero to, to 10, like blah, blah, blah. Like it was not intentional at all. I, my, my goal was to, you know, start something to do with that year that I paused it. Hopefully pandemic will be over by then and then go back to school. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So you, you're in school, you're doing the school thing. How did Modern Luxury Lounge come up, come to be? Like, did you're like, oh, I'm going to start a business? Like, out of random, like what, tell us how, how did that entrepreneurial bug bite you and how did you grab it and run with it? Yeah. So when I paused it, I was teaching yoga and I was all about, you know, mental health, obviously, because that's when I really, that was why I went back to school. So I taught a lot about mindset, mental health, and that was my first brand, my personal brand. It was all about that. Uh, it was all about psychology. It was all about yoga. And like, nobody really cared. Like nobody cared. (laughs) Unfortunately, like people, especially because I love working with people that are very high level entrepreneurs who were, you know, in the same field as my family and my, my dad that passed away. Um, they just want to know, you know, what is the ROI? What is the business? Like the mindset is the last thing they ever want to work on any for anybody. And so a lot of people were just asking me, how did I build a personal brand? How was I connecting? How was I, you know, successfully showing up consistently? So it just started being, me teaching, talking about mindset and psychology on the front end uh, of my brand. But then on the back end, in the DMs, what I was talking to people about was about building their brand, helping them build their brand, how to strategize for their brand. And that's when I started just combining. I was like, do I really have to choose one or the other? Do I have to build a brand and let go of the, the mindset part? Or can I just combine them both? And that's when I really combined both of them was defining what modern luxury is in our mind, having that clarity, understanding your purpose and your core values. And then the last thing we do is build Building your brand as the byproduct of the clarity you have, um, you know, obtained after um, us, like our sessions and showing up. Because a lot of times, as you know, when you build a brand without clarity, 
people just, if people don't understand what it is, you really don't even have a brand. It has to be a clear message. It has to be a clear impact. Your core values has to be known to tr- attract like-minded people. Um, so what I realized is just a lot of it is just mindset work. Even though I'm selling personal brand, a lot of it is just getting your clarity. And then the next thing, how do you show up? And a lot of it is honestly working through um, your own limiting beliefs. And so, so, uh, so you started working, were you working with other entrepreneurs or non-entrepreneurs? Like what, who's like the clients that started coming to you for this type of work initially? Yeah. So I naturally already had a, a lot of, I think because I was in um, the business, you know, a world, I already had a lot of connections. So I just started helping my friends who are entrepreneurs at the time, you know, when I was going through school um, to build their brand, to give advice for their brand, kind of like a consultant. I wasn't doing it full time. Because of that, that's when I really expanded and, and, and thought like, okay, I really do love working with them because a lot of people think that on the outside, they're so happy, they're successful. And a lot of them don't even have a personal brand because you know all this time you've been build, build, building a business brand, but they never thought about putting themselves as an asset, right? So um, just watching them shine and watching them realize like, okay, my business is one thing, but I'm also very powerful. The my story of how I got here is almost as powerful or if not more than the product or services that I provide. So an ideal client for you is like, walk me through that. Yeah. An ideal client is like seven to nine or higher, you know, figure entrepreneurs who already have a lot of businesses. They have investments, but they are, um, because of those businesses that they've been in for so long, they're only known for one thing. So say, you know, for cars, if you're one of the, uh, car salesman or you have uh you have you own multiple dealerships but you're only known as a car person but people don't know that there's so many aspects there's so many angles to you right even as Darius there's so many different angles of like unicorn there's like the core value there's the podcast there's so many um streams of things that people do that people don't realize because you don't talk about it unless someone close to you ask about that you don't even know it, right? So um, those are people that I really target is that they have a lot of loose strings kind of businesses all around. They just need to tie it into kind of a necklace and present it to the world and actually start monetizing off their personal brand beyond just their businesses. How do you overcome? So you don't know this about me, but I, I actually owned an ad agency for, gosh, I don't know, a couple a couple years. There, there are two years now they've been in business. I owned it for one of the years and then I got bought out of it. But uh, the CEO of that company was my CMO. She's like, almost like a famous CMO when she was Mm -hmm. CMO. And I learned a lot about branding from her. And one of the things I learned from her is around this idea of brand confusion, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of people, especially once you get these bigger businesses or, and let's go, if we're talking about an individual on their personal brand, and we'll use me as an example, I got the peak unicorn thing. I got the core value thing, you know, I'm almost taking a step back on my business stuff because people, that's what I'm known for is that I was this like CEO guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, one of the things I struggle with is how do you like, how do like, I feel like there's a little bit of brand confusion for me personally, mm-hmm. uh, just cause I, it's cause I'm, I'm kind of all over the place a little bit. And then some of that's just me exploring cause I'm post exit and I'm having fun. But yeah. wh- what do you do to kind of overcome that with let's say clients? Yeah. So that happens a lot, especially because the people I work with, they are either, you know, angel investors or they're, you know, investors, they kind of became less of a CEO role and back to the the founders role. So when they have 
Every, they've been so busy their whole lives. Now everything's kind of hands off and passive. They're like, okay, what is the next thing? What am I actually meant to do? Because I, that's all I've known my whole life, right? Like you, that's all you've known the whole life. But going back to what I was talking about, how subconsciously our mind has been building upon um, our decision-making has been reflected based on what we, our subconscious mind has built when you're like from zero to eight. So I ask a lot of um a lot, a lot of questions about their upbringing. So what was your childhood like? What was, what were the things that are important to you? What are the uh, obstacles that you went through? And by them telling my, their story to me, I'm able to look for the theme and tell it back to them and see if it resonates. And a lot of times that's when like the most magical moment, what, what I love to do is be, is being able to tell like, you know, this past 50 years, 60 years, this is what my life has been building up to. Um, and, even though for them, it seems really random because now they have dappled in so many different businesses and so many avenues, but there's always a theme of what your purpose is, what your goal is, what is it that you want to do? And then once we find that, the message just becomes so clear and that ends up being maybe even a new business or refining their current business to a clearer message. Because a lot of times it takes that third person to come in and say, you know, all these things that, yeah, surface level, you're selling a car, but your, your, um, bigger macro level could be just, you know, you want to bring convenience to people or you want to put people to feel comfortable and feel luxurious in a daily lifestyle, whatever it is, there's a bigger purpose that we don't see because we're always so zoomed in, in our lives. Yeah. I love that. So it's really kind of getting to the deeper why. Exactly. Helping them, helping them kind of focus their whatever it is that they're trying to do around that so that there's clarity. So I see that. It's all about internal work because, you know, externally they're successful, they're happy, they have all these businesses, but internally they're confused and lost, right? So it's just about peeling the onion, about asking them, why have you been doing what you're doing? Why is that so important? And getting into that core value, like you're saying, that one answer that manifests into all these different things that you've been doing actually leads to a bigger purpose. We just don't know it yet. And I think that's the most important thing is in throughout our lives, some people find their purpose and they really live it and it, and it thrives. It starts to blow up. Right. And then there's some people that just doesn't find their uh, purpose or they, they don't even, they've never been exposed to it. They don't even know that it's important because it's never taught in school that they just end up living just to exist, but not living to make an impact. Yeah. So, so, so thinking about that, I have two questions for you. So number one is, especially since you're working with some, a lot of hard driving type of a type personality entrepreneurs, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I've spent a lot of time, you know, the last 20 years in that world of ecosystem, all my peers, most of my friends are those people. Um, and I'm like an entrepreneur's entrepreneur without question. And so, um, when I talk to a lot of these folks, you know, especially I'm, I'm in four peer-to-peer CEO groups. Like, like these are people that I've been like, I've won in San Francisco. I've been in for 15 years. We meet monthly, you wow. know, like, yeah, it's insane. And and that's one of four I'm in. Um, and so one of the things I've, I've realized is people start to work a lot on themselves. The more like they've started on the business, the tactical and strategy part of the business. And then we all quickly end up talking about like, our families and ourselves and be showing up as conscious leaders and mm-hmm. having a better understanding of why we do what we do and finding our patterns and going into the, a lot of the psychology stuff you're talking about. But one of the things that I, that I see a theme amongst all the themes, the one that rises to the surface, almost predominantly without question 
is this thing around achiever mentality, right? Which is, and and it's always like what I, and I can't remember who to, I was talking to, um, I had a guest on my show yesterday who is literally probably one of the most successful people I know. He runs the eighth largest real estate company in the United States, uh, wrote this book. David, I'm plugging you. Can't wealth can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, New York Times bestselling book. Awesome guys. One of my friends. We're in Tiger 21 together. And he said, you know, it, it, it going back to he said, it all starts with your father. Like there's this whole like idea that you're either trying to prove your prove your father you're good enough, or because you want their love, or you want to prove to your father you're good enough because you want to be better than them and they can fuck off. You know, it's <laughs> like like depends on like what the like 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 and so. I've been dealing with this big time and, and, and I think a lot of anxiety and depression with CEOs, and there's a big problem with this, especially with entrepreneurs comes from this, like, I'm not good enough mm-hmm. and, and, and having to go and achieve to fill that void. How do you see that with clients? Oh my God. It's a big, big time of what you're saying. It's like, again, it goes back to how other people on the outside see that they are so successful. And I think that's where I come in and how I'm able to relate to them so well, because I've seen it on the inside, you know, for my family, right, of seeing how they're successful on the outside, but on the inside, they feel so empty. And that emptiness is, again, it has to be, um, it's a it's a deeper void or trauma that they've dealt with, like you're saying, whether it's to prove to their family. And a lot of these people, as I'm uncovering, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? It's and they all it always leads back to, to their childhood. Of course, this is like yours in your subconscious mind. It's that whether, you know, my parents had really, you know, high expectation, which is why I do what I do and everything I do had a really high expectation because growing up, my father was like, it's either you have to be the best or nobody at all. And so I it was never an option to be mediocre. And so like after finding out a, a lot of that in, in, in entrepreneurs, which is really sad because people on the outside see that you're so happy, but on the inside, you're just like, there's nothing you can ever do to feel fulfilled, right? And I noticed what has been working is that finding that fulfillment through impact, the relationship that you build with other people. So if you feel like you're not enough, how can you find these relationships where you build a meaningful, um, when you provide something meaningful that makes an impact on other people's lives, that is very fulfilling for you. I mean, there's a lot of studies when we've done um, different studies where when you help other people, the the happiness actually lasts longer. You're a lot happier, happier, a lot longer and sustain more sustainable than if you were doing things purely for yourself. So in school, we're taught to, you know, learn all these things so that you can buy these things to help yourself. Right. But we're never taught like, how do you want to make a bigger impact so you can help other people and the stuff will come later on. Yeah. So it's like profit over, over or purpose over profit. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's funny one of the things you just touched on, it reminded me of uh, this conversation I had. It's uh, a former guest on the show is a great friend of mine. His name's Doug Irwin and he's steeped in the entrepreneurial community in Reno. Actually, he's building that entire entrepreneurial ecosystem up there. And he and I had a moment. Uh, it may or may not, may or may not have involved ayahuasca. I'm not going to confirm nor deny it. Sorry, Duggar. Um, and um, this whole thing about a hungry ghost. Have you heard of the term <laughs> hungry ghost? Yes, you told me about that on my on the podcast. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. So that's where it came out of. And so like you're kind of like we're talking about that right now is this insatiable appetite. You're either first or you're nothing. That's a that is a hungry ghost mentality, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's traditional too. Like that's like what we relate to traditional luxury. It's all about your KPIs, all, all about the monetary stuff, the material things um, that leads to nowhere, like the hungry ghost that you're saying. Yeah, it's it's I, I think that that's I feel like entrepreneurism is a way, you know, I actually learned kind of the thing, same thing you talked about learning, which was I had built this business when I was very young. It's 25 when I started off eighth and town or well, eighth and Folsom in San Francisco, actually. And, and I remember the first time I made, I think it was like a hundred thousand bucks in a month revenue. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like my, it was really early on in my business. It was like four months into my business. And I remember I was like, Oh good. Now I want to make 200. Like it was like I barely I don't think I enjoyed it for more than like one second. Exactly, because you're like now what? Because your expect because like depression and anxiety happens when your expectation is so far from your reality is so far from your expectation, right? And then what we do is like we keep adjusting this expectation, which is our goal. We never really adjust our current reality. We never even really think about that. So that's like you know where it really misaligned when you're misaligned that's when you start to have that gap of depression you're like this is not what i was expecting this is what i wanted but this is not what i was expecting and so with even what you're saying i think it's so true because a lot of these entrepreneurs i work with they're like the most broken people like they have the worst childhood and that's what really drove them to build something that's called their own that they can be in control of because a lot of people that have really good childhoods they usually either they have inherited a company that's how they become, you know, a you know entrepreneur. But it was not not an entrepreneur at that point. But um, or it's uh, you know, they're just working a job because they're so content. But every single entrepreneurs I've worked with, they always had a really really bad childhood. Yeah. So the moral of the story is beat your kids so that they can be successful. <laughs> <laughs> Sing them the Barbie song. You know, traumatize them. They'll be yeah. great at business. Barbie songs. Tell them they're worth. Tell them they're worthless. Criticize them. And you're gonna have the exactly. next Elon Musk. Yeah, they exactly. You that's the secret sauce that you learn from the, the greatness machine is yes. to criticism and self-doubt. That's, yes. that's great. You need a healthy dose of that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the new affirmation. <laughs> you're not good enough. Yeah. And then like, yeah, maybe that's your first, like, instead of singing, like that's your, that's your startup for your, your uh, podcast from now on. You suck. You're not good enough. Now they're really stupid and fired up, right? You're, you're ugly. You're stupid. You're not good enough. <laughs> you will never succeed in life. You're so mediocre. Now, now your kid is a plus in school. You're welcome. So, <laughs> It's <laughs> so funny. Um, you know, that's no, true. Everything you just said, you know, I did that, that, that number, by the way, that I just told you that, that 100 grand, I was still having those conversations when the number was 20 million a month in revenue. Yeah. I had that. I swear to God, I felt the same way at 20 million as I did at a hundred grand I, I, per sad. month, per month. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad because, but because you're so focused on the number that you're sacrificing so much because in order to get that number, you are sacrificing something, right? And a lot of times it's your relationship, your family. Um, you know, that's what I sacrifice. And that's someone that I dated as well, that we kind of separated because his KPI was again, 
in a uh, a numbers game for him. So, you know, hitting that, like you're saying, 100 million, then 200 million, 500 million. Now it's 1 billion. It's never enough. So it was never like, okay, once we hit 500 million, we're going to really slow things down and, and really take oh. care of ourselves like a luxury brand and actually have a have a life together. It was never like that. One, once he hit 500 million, it was like another, like, okay, now it's 1 billion. Yeah, of course. I'm almost a, I'm almost a, running a billion dollar company. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Now you're gonna be so old, single, running your one billion dollar company, and then one billion dollar, you're gonna be ninety years old. You're gonna be like, what? I'm on, I'm on a two hundred billion. You know what I mean? Like never ends. Yeah, it's 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 the hungry ghost, That's the insatiable why. hungry ghost. Yes. Just feed me, feed me, feed me. And so you know, um, with that in mind, you know, how do you? I guess you know the the, the risk with that which is how I want to, you know, we're, we were kind of coming near the end of the show, but I wanted to, you know, really go back to the luxury brand, which is what you're doing. You know, the issue with that, that I've found is that when you tie yourself worth to your business or to whatever it is where it's outside yourself, mm-hmm. right? Business, it could be your, your own self. It could be your Instagram account, how many likes you get, oh my God. all this exterior bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. That by the way, if people give you props for it, it's because they have their own issues. Yep. You know, like they're they have self worth issues, and like you're the representation of this like void that that they're that they need filled. So mm-hmm. you get this weird positive affir- like reaffirmations of how fucking amazing you are mm-hmm. from the people that are broken themselves, and right. it's this really weird, you know, uh, like it's a it's a positive feedback loop that makes this harder. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned, and this happened to me twice. This has just happened recently. I stepped down as CEO of my company. And I exited my company. And it happened when I lost my previous company. Was that when you're on top of the world, there's this great quote, which is that, you know, success has many fathers and that failure is an orphan, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so people want to attach to other people that are doing what they perceive to be great things. So you get a lot of attention when you're kicking ass. Mm-hmm. But, but 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 it's fleeting, right? It goes away because people are like like the minute you're you're off that rocket ship, people are just around you because of that rocket ship. They want to be a part of it, right? Exactly. And, and it's not, and your true friends don't give a shit either way. But yeah. but a lot of people who are around, I mean, I saw that. I was like, hey, where the fuck did all my friends go? They were all here <laughs> when I was killing it. And they they ran to the to the exactly. It's like the pandemic, right? When the pandemic hits, you're like, oh, now I know who my true friends are. Who's checking yeah, on me? Totally. I was I was COVID for a hot minute there. Me personally, <laughs> you know, I scared. And so, COVID. <laughs> so it, you know, what is it? What's your position on that? When we start to think of ourselves as a luxury brand, so that that we're not falling into that trap of we are our successes. Yeah, I think the the good thing is like the people that I do target, the high level entrepreneurs are the one who are already successful, but still feel really empty because my goal is to have them show because as a luxury brand, you know, we're all looking at um, them as a KPI, like, you know, looking at other people like Grant, you know, like how successful he is. But like the thing is like because I, I target these people. The thing is, like, I want to show people is like out on the outside, it doesn't matter what it is because they can have, I mean, they, they're at a place where they don't even have to work. But why do they want to build a brand, which is a new journey now, is because it's not enough. 
So if they, it's not enough for them who earns multi-million dollar, you know, dollars and billion dollars a year, you know, what do you think that that is for you? So it's like teaching our children from the very beginning that money is not, shouldn't be your KPI. Your KPI should be helping other people, making an impact, making a difference so that you feel fulfilled in exchange that money, which comes in the form of energy. That's when you're getting rewarded, right? So for them, it's like um, teaching them what is what is actually really important? What is it that you actually really want? Um, and then showing other people, like having people on my podcast like you, that when you talked about money is not is not fulfilling at all. It was when you find things that actually matter, your core values, that's what matters, right? I think it's just having that conversation with very high-level entrepreneurs and start slowly shifting our general society's KPI, kind of like our key performance indicator of success and luxury from monetary values or external values or internal. Because if these things are taught in school, if, if these are what's actually important to us, right? Teaching us how to build relationship, connections, network, leveraging all of those to build a really well-rounded life where you're happy and, you know, the circle of pie. From the inside, if you're happy on the outside, I've always find that things will fall into place, everything that you've ever wanted. But it has yeah. to start from the inside. If you're chasing numbers, if you're chasing, you know, um, vanity metrics, it's like you're saying, it's a hungry ghost. It never ends. But I feel like in some ways, the society likes that because it's, you know, you're contributing into the, the rat race that keeps it going. Yeah, there's a lot of trauma in the world and it keeps feeding on itself. And we're, we're dealing with the side effects of it, you know. Exactly. And I think like people are getting smarter, um, millennials and Gen Z's, you know, as I'm researching more into what is luxury to them and why luxury brands are actually failing now if they don't change, right? Uh, because now all the millennials and Gen Z, they don't care about the stuff. You can get stuff from like a, a click of a button on Amazon or on your phone. You, you can order things like literally on your phone now. And so what what's important to them. It's that authenticity. It's being able to relate. Relatability is really important to them. And so what's luxury to them is experience, whether it's experience at a festival or vacation together, having a really fun night together, an experience of a trip together. It's all about the experience, the connection, the relationship that you build. That is more important to them than just you know, getting a, a a brand car and then showing it off. Cause you know what? A lot of people have those these days. It's not that special anymore. So I think yeah. people are evolving out of that um, kind of judging people by what it is that they have. Cause the person could look really poor. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Elon Musk or like um, Mark Zuckerberg, they don't, they don't, if they walked in randomly, if you don't know who they are, you would have never think that they're this, this, you know, huge CEO, right? The way they dress because they don't care about that anymore. It's all about the experience that you're able to provide, the memories that you're able to create. So I think people are evolving out of that very structured, like madman looking, you know, I have to look like this in order for people to think I'm successful or respected. Totally. Can you run over by a couple minutes or we yeah. can wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, I, I met Elon Musk a couple years ago, like, like hung out with him in a circle, small circle yeah. people. And I had a cu- two observations. You want to hear what they were? Yes. So, A, he's super fucking tall. Like, he's like six foot four or something. Like, I didn't realize how tall he was. <laughs> I'm pretty tall. I'm, I'm like a hair under six one. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this guy's really tall. A. And B, 
he had he had like black he had like oh, this is so i can't believe i'm saying this all on um he had like no soul in his eyes <laughs> i hear that all the time from my friends that know him yeah did you have you heard is it okay yeah. is, this, is, this yeah. a com- is this a common deal like, yeah. like it, it's like weird like like there's yeah. no there's Machine. no twinkle in the eye yeah 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 like dead eye i, I said he had the okay i'm gonna say what i told my friends i'm like he had the eyes of a serial killer yeah yeah it it was weird, and then my friends are like, maybe yeah. he's talking to his like android. Like, <laughs> turn it off yet? Sorry, his his human brain wasn't on. His human brain was way off, uh, but he was tall. Um, yeah, you know, he's well. I did find out that with the month I met him, which was South by Southwest, 2018, he was literally sleeping on the floor of the factory that month, and that was like when they almost went bankrupt. So he was probably tired. I'll, I'll, I'll but if you've heard it from other people, I'm going to claim that he has dead eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dead eyes. <laughs> dead eyes. I was like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like he's tall and dead eyes. Um, yeah. Now you know, um, I, there's a you know there's a quote that I that I'll we'll kind of get to the end here, and I and I want to kind of promote how people can hook up with you and 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 start to work with you because you're obviously doing some really cool things. But you know, uh, one of my favorite quotes in business is that you know, the more money you make makes you more of what you already are. You know, some version of that. It's like the more the more money you make makes you more of what you already are. And I think that yeah, if you're feeling empty, you're gonna feel more empty. And I've seen this. I've had friends go from like literally like startup entrepreneurs to like a hundred million in the bank, like a mm-hmm. hundred million in the bank, mm-hmm. private jets, Lambos, Ferraris, all that stupid shit. And and don't get me wrong, man. Like like you're talking about the millennials don't love brands. And I'm like, I'm not a big brand person, but I like quality. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, listen, Hermes is fucking awesome. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. You know, like you could hate. I, and I'm not a brand person, but you gotta love beauty and quality. Like I don't care if if you, that's your favorite brand or not. So, you know, I've seen people go out there and buy all those things. It's funny with cars because cars are one of those things where like six months later, a year later, the new version comes out. Like exactly. you're old, it's the old version of the cool car, right? Exactly. You know, so what, like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Where, where it's, you know, money makes you a lot more of what you already are. When you see clients that maybe don't have that emptiness to them, because like, you're not going to fix that, right? You can help identify what's, what they can do to, what they can lean into to make them feel more, you know, more alive, more self-actualized. I think mm-hmm. that, that discovery process is, is a, been a very valuable one in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate it, but you're not going to cure a broken person. They only, they only, they can cure Only you can cure your own brokenness and therapy and, you know, hallucinogenics and stuff like that. But, um, <laughs> it's so true because when I was learning about, you know, getting trained in hypnotherapy and a lot of people are like, Oh, are you going to hypnotize me? Right. That's the first thing that people always say when they know that you are trained in hypnotherapy. Um, but the thing is like you, nobody can hypnotize you, you hypnotize yourself. And so you have to be agreed upon things, right? You can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped. Yeah. To your point early, very beginning of the show, it all starts from within. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and I love that. And, and, and let me just say this. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. This was so much fun. I knew it would be fun, but this was a lot of fun. I know. I feel like, you know, we just went into this trance of like conversation of reflection. And, and that was like what happened in, in, in my podcast with you as well. It's like, there's conversation that I've definitely had people on my podcast where I'm like, well, that was so surface level. Like I'm bored. And then there's people that are, you're having these conversations. You're like, I do not want this to end. Like that there's that there, that's some, that's why some of my podcasts are like 20 minutes and then there's podcasts like an hour. I think ours is like an hour too. Um, because it was just so good. Right. There's like, there's people that you have conversation. You're like the time space doesn't even matter. And it's like, wow, I'm learning so much. 
So yeah. thank you for having me on here. Yeah. You, we, we gave good talk. This was awesome. Um, there's, there's a lot, you know, it's so funny. You just said it and I've said it to people before. I don't want to say it again, but I'm going to say it. If, if my shows are short, that <laughs> like if it's a 20 minute show, it, you have a problem. If you're, yeah. If you're a hate guest, if, if it's 36 <laughs> minutes, you should be embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> it's all your, and by the way, it's your fucking fault. Not mine. <laughs> yeah. Not, not my, it was not my karaoke. It was not my, my background. It was definitely you. I give good talk. I don't nice. know what uh, <laughs> guys. Um, so, Hey, so we're, we're, I know you're doing some really cool stuff and there's all sorts of listeners to show what sort of things might people want to hook up with you on right now. I know you're doing a mastermind. You have jlissa.com. What, how can people hook up with you? What sort of things can we help promote to help keep your business thriving? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. So yeah, if you are a high level entrepreneur, um, you already have businesses, but you just don't have a personal brand or you want to make a bigger impact with what, you know, things you've already done you can definitely contact me on Instagram. I think that is the quickest way to get through me because it feels more personalized than email or even through the website. Of course, you can also um, always check out the website, but my Instagram is Jalissa Leah. It's just my first and last name together. And um, just send me a DM. I love connecting with people, whether it's just a conversation or for consultation, whatever it is. I think uh, being able to help people that are like you, Darius, right? It always starts from the top down. I think if you can change someone that's already in the top, it changes people that, that are their employees, their family. It changes people who look up to them. So that's why I really target... Um, you know, very high level entrepreneurs. Yeah, you guys, you heard it here first. Leadership starts from the top. So listen to Jay Lissa. Like it starts from me. <laughs> starts from the top. Jay Lissa and Darius said so. Um, <laughs> exactly. And then abuse your children, please. Yeah, that's right. And smack them. <laughs> yeah, but the, your new release for the next uh, month is your uh, abuse, ab abusing affirmations. They please. have masks on their face. You can't see any bruises, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get below the eyes. Just stick around the mouth. Um, <laughs> no, I, my, I only kiss them on the mouth. My kids are the best. Um, guys, um, thank you so much, Alyssa. So much gratitude. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. Guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Stay tuned. We got more shows coming up. Can't wait to see you guys. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs> you are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. Uh-huh. 
This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.